0: I'm good.
1: We get to do a solo episode today.
0: I know. We haven't done that in a little while, I feel like.
1: No, we haven't. It's a rarity.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the best way that I can describe our approach to this and tell me if you think this is kind of an accurate description is... We watched this episode and we felt like it could stand alone, but also we probably could have included the next one. But I feel like we both just had a lot to say. Not that this particular episode happened to be the most riveting, but we wanted to do it scene by scene because it was fun to relive. And I think we just wanted other people to relive it with
1: us. Yeah, definitely. Also, it centers so much or entirely around Chloe and it just feels very timely to do now.
0: It does. I will tell you that yesterday's episode when we were talking about Chloe and Tristan and I feel like we were basing so much of our conversation off of the trailer for season 20. It's very interesting to me how, I don't want to say my lens is now informed based on the fact that we've been doing these episodes, but I do think that doing these episodes has made us look at things a little bit more dynamically because you, not that you forget some of the trends or some of the
1: patterns, but they are so in your face. It's very glaring, especially when we're talking about that conversation between Kim and Tristan, where Kim is basically saying, you know, she never really expected Chloe to be one to care about outside opinions and people's thoughts and kind of do everything for herself and has such like an I don't give a fuck attitude. And when you look back on this episode, it's very much like you can see what a facade that is and how hard she fought to like put up these walls and how she's so aware of these walls that she has up.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with Chloe. She's very aware of the walls. Not everybody is. You know, I'm sure you, everybody can think of people in their own lives when you find that it's so hard to kind of break through or you find that their walls are really inhibiting them from being able to have a deeper connection, but they're completely unaware of it. The one thing with Chloe is she's very aware of it, especially in this episode. Yeah, totally. So that's kind of the main focus that we are really gonna get into. The subplot of this episode, and we didn't include any of these scenes for the most part, but it centered around the fact that their friend Caroline D'Amore was in town for a fashion show. She had a swim line and some of the Dash girls wanted to model. So Courtney kind of made the connection that they could model in the show. The only reason I'm mentioning this is just because I think we always like to see who some of these friends were that came in early on and where they are now. And at the time, I mean, Caroline was very much in the Kim Paris crew. She was a DJ. She was a model. She had this clothing line her ventures now seem to be more in the pizza space. I think her family has some sort of a business, but I only mention that because, you know, we're looking at this this crew of people and Malika is really the constant. Malika, Jonathan, Simon, those are the constants. Cause there are some other people that have come and gone, not in a bad way. Their circle has always been small, but this was just one other person that kind of came in the mix. Kind of like the Scott Storch situation.
1: Right, exactly. It feels very representative of most people's twenties though.
0: Oh yeah, not it's not in a way of that they had people that they deemed to be disposable. It's just you have people that are kind of mutual connections that you've known forever. And I guess as you get older, whether or not those friendships remain as strong are totally different. Yeah, exactly. So this episode starts out with Chloe and Courtney. They're in the bathroom and they're talking about Chloe's ex Rashad. And Chloe's saying, What a fucking loser for real. Rashad is trying to act like we never dated, and I'm like, You're such a dick, and you just get worse and worse by the second. And Courtney is in her confessional kind of setting the scene for all of us by saying Rashad is Chloe's ex-boyfriend who she caught cheating. And when she confronted him, he admitted he was only with Chloe for publicity since Rashad. I think Chloe definitely has trust issues when it comes to men. So if you remember a few episodes back, she was first introducing him to the entire family. You remember we saw Kim at the dinner saying, if you hurt her, I'll kill you. And then a few episodes after that, he had cheated on her and she was breaking up with him. So I remember when we were kind of talking about that, we had pulled up an interview that he did eight years after they ever dated where he said that relationship was the biggest regret of my life and people really doubted my commitment to the NBA and that if I was never in that relationship, I would have been a 60 to $70 million player. And I remember us saying at the time how kind of messed up that was that he was basically faulting her for his failed career. Meanwhile, in this, he's saying to her that he only was with her for for the publicity. And that's the same very thing that he was so mad about years later.
1: And when Chloe's ranting in the scene about him, she makes a comment very quickly where she says something about him being like a fucking bench player, basically saying like, even if this was like doubting his commitment to the NBA, he still wouldn't have been that player. Obviously she didn't know about this quote yet, but it was just interesting that she had thrown that in because it really invalidates his later quote.
0: Well, we were talking about this yesterday when we were kind of hypothesizing as to who Kim was going to date because like we always say, it's a really big commitment. It doesn't matter how much of a catch they are. You are now sprung into this media circus that I don't think a lot of people want to be in. And so this guy, it was just, he was completely contradicting himself and it was totally unfair. And let's not forget, he cheated on her whether or not the publicity played into it at all.
1: Yeah, this seems entirely in this situation like he just had his own shit and was putting it on her. Still years later, which is just such a pathetic thing to do, but. I also just want
0: to mention for context, this episode aired September, 2009. So let's say it was filmed early 2009 or even late 2008. Chloe and Lamar met and started dating in August, 2009. So when this episode aired, she had been dating Lamar for a month. And the only reason I mentioned that one, because I want you all to have context, but also because There's definitely something there where it just goes to show, and I know we talk about this a lot or we have previously, that her and Lamar's connection really was so magnetic because it wasn't like all of her walls were broken down in this short amount of time. Clearly, it was just something about Lamar that made her feel safe
1: to jump in. Which is so crazy to think about in retrospect. But also, after this season ends, after... Courtney and Chloe Take Miami season one ends. We go right back into Kardashian season four. And that starts out with Chloe and Lamar's wedding. Julie, I I really can't wait to watch that. Do you realize that the content that we got between the end of this season of TV, which was just brilliant, it ends with Courtney getting pregnant her and Scott basically getting back together. And then we go right in to the wedding of Chloe and Lamar. How? How were we so lucky? Yeah. They didn't do things like that anymore. I think we really took it for granted. Well, we did at the time. And they also, I don't really know the best
0: way to phrase this. I guess what I mean is they kind of didn't have as much autonomy in terms of what they wanted filmed or not. Of course, they technically did. They weren't being held against their will or anything, but they needed to produce really riveting content for people to watch and for the show to be renewed. And I don't mean to say that the content as of recently wasn't riveting. They still let us in on a lot of really momentous occasions, but Kylie absolutely could say, no way, I don't want any aspect of my pregnancy filmed. And that was totally fine. And the show's success was not riding off of that. Where at the time, Courtney could not have gotten pregnant with Mason and just decided to not film that and still have had the show succeed. They weren't in it enough with the public to be able to have that grace or have that ability.
1: Yeah. I think that – I don't want to say that it saved the show because I don't think the show was going anywhere, but I do think that there was an element of that pregnancy and watching that journey that really took the show to the next level combined, of course, with the wedding. Because you went from this family with this crazy dynamic and all of the siblings being so crazy with each other to now these outside forces that were playing where you were like, oh my God, every level of this is crazy.
0: Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I honestly don't even feel guilty saying that I loved having those things filmed because it didn't feel to me like they regretted doing it or they were you know, unhappy with doing it in the moment. I think just now they've gotten to the point where they can pick and choose more. But I don't think not being able to be so selective was something that they were upset about because I think honestly, they had a one track mind and the one track mind was fame and they were going to do anything they had to do. And so I don't think that it came at a detriment to them.
1: I don't think so either, especially for Chloe and Courtney, who the beginning of this beginning seasons of the show didn't necessarily revolve around. And it was so Kim centric. And now with the introduction of them going to Miami and their personal lives taking off, it elevated them to a different kind of fame because they were no longer just the side characters. You were watching the show just as much for them as you were for Kim and Chris.
0: I hadn't really thought of that as much because when I'm watching it, I feel like I'm just so in it. But it's very true that so much of what we've spoken about when we were watching the previous seasons was how it really was the Kim show. And there were definitely moments when we saw... Chloe and Courtney feel a little bit anger towards her and i think understandably and so i i don't think when i was watching this the first time around i recognized how big of a deal this was to Chloe and Courtney to be able to kind of be standing on their own here this was a test for them in a way like it's not that the country already didn't have a liking towards them but this was a test to see are we entertaining enough on our own or can we garner that same amount of
1: public attention and public approval without Kim in the picture It's funny because to me, they're more entertaining. I don't know if I necessarily would watch the show for them from the start without Kim being involved in it. I don't think they would have gotten a project on their own just based on entertainment value because you needed the Kim stardom. But if you're going just off the entertainment value that they provide, yeah, they are more entertaining.
0: Well, yeah, because they're just willing to be a little bit more crazy and they're willing to be more of partiers and things like that. And Kim, Totally her thing, nothing wrong with it, but Kim drank one time in three seasons. Those nights of Chloe and Courtney having so much fun and partying was what people wanted to watch. Right, exactly. Anyway, giant tangent, although one that I welcome with open arms. Me too. Shall we? Scene one?
1: Yes, let's do it.
0: So Terrence and Chloe are in the studio for Chloe After Dark, and Terrence brings in his friend Larry Johnson, who's an NFL player. And Terrence says on air, Now, Chloe has been known to date an athlete or two, but you mentioned the other day that all athletes are full of shit and no good. So I brought in one of the only athletes that I trust, one of the best guys in the league right now. And Chloe's kind of questioning Terrence as to why he's placing so much trust in Larry. And Terrence is saying, I know the women he dates, he treats them like queens. And in her confessional, Chloe says, And might I add, she says this, and it is chilling now to hear these words. She says, I've had a few relationships with athletes. And in my opinion, I think athletes are players, but I also think just all men are players. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Terrence then asks if Chloe would go out with Larry and she says no, but Julie, hearing those words really just make you think.
1: And honestly, upon further research, it is a very good thing that Chloe said no to that situation, by the way.
0: Yeah, I don't think that would have been a beneficial thing at all. And I will also just say, just as more of a general statement, I find it to be very common that men, aka in this situation, Terrence, who is clearly friends with Chloe, is trying to kind of, I don't know, fight the perception that she has on dating and on men with somebody that he deems to be worthy or that he deems to be good, but it's he can't speak for what that guy's like in a relationship. She would need to hear it from one of the women he's dated. You know, I often find that as sometimes men don't understand that women want to hear it from another woman that's been on the same on the receiving end.
1: Totally. And I also think a lot of the time that men view the way that men act in relationships as, I think the bar is incredibly low.
0: I mean, I don't subscribe to the belief of like all men are trash. However, if I was Chloe in this situation and I had been through what she had been through, I could very much understand why that's her mindset.
1: Yeah, I think it's all about personal experience.
0: Totally. And I don't fault anyone for that. Right. So next scene, and this one comes kind of out of left field. Chloe and Malika are at lunch with the singer Omarion, who they're friends with. They've been friends with him for a while. Chloe's saying that she's known him for seven years. They're very close. He was in Miami to record. And they're sitting down and she's kind of just talking to him, venting about how she really isn't liking any of the guys in Miami. And he's saying to her, you know what? you need to be looking for dates in different places. You need to find a real man who's going to take care of you. And when he says that, I think at least for me, when I was watching it, it really did seem like this was just her good guy friend. That's kind of giving her some advice and saying who she thinks or the type of person that he thinks she needs to be around. That was kind of all I took from that in this first scene.
1: Yeah. Especially because she is setting it up that they've been such good friends for so long.
0: Am I wrong in saying this? And I it's kind of off the top of my head. So please correct me if this is completely inaccurate. But when we were talking last week about Courtney and Travis and saying how, with the exception of Kim and Kanye, it seems to be rare that the other relationships, at least from what we know of them, are ones that have sparked from friendships. For example, you don't see Kendall and Phi outwardly dating. So who knows if Kendall and Devin Booker were friends? We didn't see them being friends. That's kind of the point that I was trying to make. We knew that Courtney and Travis were friends. We knew that Kim and Kanye were friends. It was filmed. It was filmed. So this situation, as it kind of escalates, which you'll see in the next scene, not that Chloe ended up going out with Omarion, or at least in this episode she didn't, but him even a little bit pursuing her, I think we were all thrown off by because typically they weren't engaging
1: in things with people that they were friends with. Yeah, not that we necessarily knew about, no. Right, that we knew about. Right. It. I mean- I don't think at this point we knew enough about their dating history, specifically Chloe's dating history, to say whether it would be super off-brand or not for one of them to date their good friend. But it did seem at this point that what Omarion was saying, just based on the one scene that we've seen with him, that it did seem a little out of left field for him to kind of be pursuing her.
0: But just let's take one second. Let's talk Kendall, Ben Simmons, Kendall, Devin Booker, Kylie, and Travis – courtney and eunice i'm just going to keep listing a few kim and chris chloe and lamar i'm not saying that these people weren't friends with that person before in certain circumstances but they were never integrated enough into the group where the public would be like oh yeah of course she's dating him they've been friends forever same thing with robin black china i can think of so many examples where the friendship may have existed but not at least to the point where it was known
1: right um I think that Chloe and French Montana were friends or friendly. Um, You obviously had the Tyga and Kylie situation, which I don't know if you can call that (laughs) necessarily friends. Um, Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not the most blatant thing, but I also think that that's a rarity. Like, I, I don't think that happens super often where everybody just starts dating their friends, especially in that family where they do have a lot of really close guy friends.
0: I also think that they value that inner circle so highly that it's not worth it to kind of fuck around for something that could potentially ruin it.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think that if they were willing to fuck around for something that could ruin it, you would have seen Kendall and Phi dating a long time ago, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com, Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So next scene, Chloe's hanging out with Omarion and she's basically saying that she wants to hang out with him as much as she can while he's in town because she really misses not having him around all the time. And he says to Chloe, and I quote, I wanted to talk to you because I don't want you to become this woman who feels like every man is the same. I think you should just try something different. I think you might want to try someone like me. Yeah, I just dropped that. You want me to tell you why? Because we've been cool for so long. And I think a friendship is a prelude to a relationship. What do you think about that idea? She is visibly shocked. And in her confessional, she says, he really springs his whole relationship talk on me. Am I such a hopeless? Cause that's one of my really good friends. It feels like he needs to date me. And Chloe responds to him. She's like, you're just fucking with me. And he goes, no, I'm dead serious. And she can't believe it. She says, no, you're not. He says, yeah, I know you're hot for me. I'm hot for you too. And Chloe's like, well, what happens if we go the next step and then you change your mind and then it ruins what we have. And she basically is saying that she's really uncomfortable and she needs to get out of the situation. But I just want to mention before we reflect on this, Notice that when she says to him talking about what could potentially happen, she says, and I quote, what happens if we go the next step and you change your mind? Not like a mutual thing, not what happens if feelings change. And I know some could say that that was just her choice of words. I think it's a little bit deeper than that. I think that's already where her mindset went. Like something's going to happen where he's going to no longer want this.
1: Right. Like in her mind... it." there's no shot of it working out. It's not like she was considering it like, oh, like he's one of my really good friends, we already know we get along. If he's interested in me, maybe like we could see this working. Like in her mind, it was like, when this stops working, what happens then? It's not like if it stops working, it's when. And the other interesting thing that she says is when she's in her confessional and she's like, am I such a lost cause that one of my friends wants to date me out of pity?
0: I would imagine a lot of that was kind of a projection of how she's feeling about herself. Oh yeah, of course. But- Back to the previous point that you were saying, yes, we kind of were making the same point, but in different ways. And I actually want to talk about what you said. You were saying more so that she was viewing it as the outcome would already be negative. That too, that I didn't even mention that. What I was more so saying, did you notice how she put it on him and saying, like, if you change your mind, meaning historically the guy has done something where clearly he quote, wasn't choosing her anymore. That was to me, another thing that is worth mentioning that It wasn't like, well, what happens if we just fall out of love or our feelings change? It was like, what happens if you no longer want me?
1: Yeah, I think that in her mind and in her past relationships, her feelings have had very little say on the outcome of the relationship. I think that once she's in that relationship, she expects that what's going to go wrong is going to be on him rather than on her own personal beliefs or her own personal opinions. Right.
0: Also, just in case anybody was curious about Omarion's dating history – He briefly dated Rihanna in 2007. I know that's a little bit of a mic drop. And he was dating April Jones from 2011 to 2016. They were engaged in 2014. They ended up having two children together, but they no longer, or at least from what we've seen, the family and him don't follow each other. I don't know what their situation is, if they're friends anymore. But when I saw the Rihanna one, the only reason I mention it is obviously, because I could talk about anybody Rihanna dated forever, but also because at the time, that was in 2007, this was filmed in, let's say, late 2008, early 2009. So Chloe must have had that in her mind on some level because not that Rihanna isn't so famous to her now, but at the time, I mean, Rihanna was in some other stratosphere.
1: Right. I mean, they dated for like two months according to what I saw online. But yeah, I think that if you're ever going to date somebody that Rihanna dated, you're going to be like, oh God, I'm just dating the guy that Rihanna dated, right?
0: So the next scene, Chloe's with Malika and Chloe's kind of filling her in on what happened. And she's saying, listen, just like you tell me everything, he tells me everything too. We're best friends, I know it all. And Malika's kind of asking Chloe, how are you going to handle this? What are you going to say to him? And Chloe's saying that her kind of approach to this is she's going to ignore it. She's going to act like it never happened. And Malika says, so you're not attracted to him in any way. Tell me the truth. And in her confessional, Chloe's basically saying, It's not that he's not dating material. They have this amazing chemistry and she's aware of it. But when they break up, she's then going to lose him as a friend. And Malika says to her, all you're doing is projecting your past situations on him and you know he's better than that.
1: First of all, I have a couple of things. That's the point where she says the when when we inevitably break up as if like it's already a negative from the start. The second thing that's funny to me about this whole, whole Marianne situation is Again, we have another side player that comes in as just now a main star of the show. Like, Chloe has to get in as much time with him because she's not even used to being so far away from him and she wants to really soak it in. It's Malika's best friend. He has never once been mentioned on the show in the past. They did that so much in the earlier seasons. Like, all of a sudden, I'm just supposed to know that they are best, best friends with Omarion? Like, what? There was no introduction. And I guess... I
0: wonder how much of that is just the fact that it was the earlier season we didn't have that much time to learn about their lives. Whereas now, it's very rare that a new person comes in. Pretty much everyone that graces the screen, at least in a significant presence, is somebody that we've seen. Like Mindy Weiss sits down at Kim's kitchen table to plan the Christmas party and we all feel like we're just sitting down with them. We've been there a million times over.
1: Something I feel like they did in the beginning seasons is, and I'm not doubting their friendships with these people, but I feel like they brought in a lot of characters and then hyped up the friendship to like prove how famous they were, like how famous they were even before the show started. Like, oh, our our good friend Omarion, who we've been friends with for seven years. Like, oh, Scott Storch, like the king of Miami who who has to come see us every day. Like, I just feel like they were trying to hype up the fame level.
0: Which by the way, brilliant tactic. Right, totally. Yeah. So next scene, Rob is also in town. He looked so hot this episode. I know it's a total side note.
1: It's not a side note, it's like the main part of the episode for me.
0: Especially him in dinner in that little sweater in the chain. I just I don't even know what to tell you, Julie. I can't handle it, I know. So at dinner, this is kind of an unnecessary plotline, but I just wanted to mention it. The main Dash employee that we had been seeing in this episode is Carrie. She's obviously beautiful and she wants to get back on her modeling career. And Chloe's saying to the table, that Rob had said something to her about how he wanted to go down on Carrie and that he only says that if he really wants to be with someone. And Rob's like, no, I never said that. I only met her one time. I just like mentioning these things because it is so classic. We talk about this all the time, but this is a prime example of, one, there's no boundaries, which was another reason that it made the television so addicting. But second of all, talking about each other's sex lives, and in this case, them all talking about Rob's sex life and his kind of sexual desires was it was like another Tuesday afternoon there was nothing and I think that was another reason that everybody was so drawn to watching the show.
1: Yeah, th- we always talk about that and it's so so true. Also, for us I think that there were very few TV shows that we were watching at this time that really like delved into that subject matter. Like I as you're saying that I have such distinct memories of like Anytime my dad would walk in the room when I was watching Kardashians, like I would change the channel, not because I wasn't allowed to watch it, just because like I felt uncomfortable watching it with him. Yeah, I mean we never knew what they were going to say.
0: Yeah, I mean we were fifteen. I was fifteen years old at the time, and the idea of someone going down on someone—it was not something that I was at all well versed in. Like the idea, specifically of Roth, who I had thought of this heartthrob—I don't even think I would have used the term like gone down on. I don't know if that makes me sound crude for that age, but I really wouldn't have. And so I felt like I did learn a little bit about these kind of dynamics when I was younger.
1: I was 13. So I definitely like probably didn't even know what that meant. I wonder what the, what other people thought of when they were watching this. You know,
0: I guess it really just depends how old you were when you were watching this. And that kind of informs the way that you viewed this.
1: Yeah, it totally depends. I think it also depends on a lot of people and their family dynamics, like if they had older siblings that you know they kind of learned subject matter from at a younger age, as opposed to you know if this was kind of the first time that they were hearing about it. It's really interesting. Like it was definitely for me. Um, I think I was just at the age where I was starting to really understand it, um, or be first being introduced to it, where it wasn't like the craziest thing I had ever heard. Like I was, I was really like at that formative age. But 13 is still young, I think.
0: 13 is very young, I think. I mean, I was 15 and I still felt like I wasn't supposed to be watching this. Again, not because I wasn't allowed, just because it felt forbidden. Right. The other thing is that I remember vividly watching this and thinking to myself, oh my God, Carrie is the luckiest girl in the world. I didn't even fully understand what going down on someone meant. But I remember thinking, Rob wants to go down on Carrie. like She's going to watch this fact. Do you know how lucky you are? I remember thinking that.
1: Right. Like, I don't know what it means, but I know I want it to be made. Right. ah,
0: <laughs> oh, To be young and naive. I miss those days. Yeah, I don't even remember those days. <laughs> so I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So in her confessional, Courtney is saying that they're at dinner and that Omarion is a sweet surprise for Chloe. So someone brings over a cake, champagne and a phone, okay? And Omarion is on the phone and he says to her, I'm just trying to let you know how serious I was. I'm serious about this, Chloe. And Chloe is full-blown panicked. does not know how to handle this. And she tells him to hold on. And she's asking Malika and Courtney, like, is this real? And they're like, yes, we've been setting it up all day. It's, it's actually happening. And she gets back on the phone and she says to him, This is the most confusing thing I think that's ever happened to me in my life. And Malika, you see, it's hitting her. She's like, Try saying maybe the nicest thing. And Chloe just doesn't know how to handle this. She's like, What am I supposed to say? And he goes, Okay, I'm done. I'll talk to you later. And he hangs up. Before we just dive into this for a second, can we just backtrack about what just happened in the last two minutes here?
1: Yeah, I would love nothing more.
0: I mean, talk about early 2000s, the way that this entire thing went down, the fact that somebody was handing her a phone. If this was happening in current day, Malika probably would have had him on FaceTime. Just the way the whole thing went down was so crazy to watch.
1: Also, he was in Miami. He couldn't make it to the restaurant if he really wanted to do some grand gesture. Also, it just goes to show how Chloe. this was very on brand
0: for her in terms of she wasn't good. And by the way, you don't have to be good at it. I think you should be able to voice however you feel. But Chloe is not good at faking it, you
1: know? Which, by the way, that's my whole takeaway from this scene is that A, she shouldn't have to, and B, that's why I hate these public grand gestures because I think that no one should be embarrassed or pressured to the point where they have to have feelings. Like this whole thing that transpired afterwards was literally just a result of like public embarrassment. I think that it's not until you get a little bit older that you realize that because I know that when –
0: I was watching this the first time around one, I felt like, Oh my God, Chloe is so lucky. That is such a, you know, I want someone to do that for me. I want someone to have this whole thing for me. And then you don't really realize in the moment how she should not have to feel like she has to be into it if she's not, because this is the type of stuff that women specifically get set up from at a very, very young age to, you know, smile and fake it. And, and, that that carries itself into so many aspects of of our lives. And like, she should not have to. She should be able to say, listen, I don't want to do this and that should be enough.
1: Right. It's this whole idea that like when you're younger, when we're watching it, it's like, oh, what a romantic gesture. Like, that's so sweet. He, He brought her champagne and cake. Like, that is so sweet. But when you get older, you kind of realize that like, there are so many instances where people are put, like where women are put in that situation where they're then not given the option to say no because it's public. It starts probably younger at like, Dances, like proposals like that, where you're like, it's in front of the whole school. You can't embarrass somebody. And then you're the bad person who said no and embarrassed the guy who put himself forward in front of the whole school. It's the same reason that I hate public proposals. Like, if somebody's going to say no and it's a private thing where you're taking that next step and you're making the biggest decision of your life, somebody shouldn't be saying yes just because you're doing it in a public space where they would be embarrassing you if they turned you down.
0: Right. Because exactly. Because then, kind of what happens is all of a sudden, his feeling and not wanting him to feel embarrassed comes before you actually acknowledging how you really feel. That is why all of these situations turn out so terribly because women are made to feel like embarrassing men. And again, I know we're talking about this heteronormatively, but just in terms of the situation, women are made to feel like it's so bad to embarrass a man. You can never embarrass a man in front of his boys. Well, the flip side of not embarrassing him is lying about how you really feel. So then both of those things are bad. You know what I mean? Like what is what is the benefit in the long run? We would never be having to be put into that situation if our feelings when we said no the first time were respected. Right, exactly. I will just say though, in his defense, I didn't find this to be like he was being this terrible person because it's not like she said, No, I have absolutely no interest in you. She was not like she was saying, Listen, I I don't know, you know? She was kind of I think, made it to be like the lines were a little bit more blurred. It wasn't like she said, I want no part of this. I still don't think he should have done it in this way, but it wasn't like she was saying, I don't want this and this is an absolute no. She kind of, I think in their conversation, or at least his interpretation was that she could be open to it.
1: Right. I don't think he had a malicious intent with this. It's just, she was unsure. And the way it comes off when you watch it in retrospect was that He tried to take advantage of her uncertainty by doing something where it was public, where it kind of almost backed her into a corner, or he expected to kind of back her into a corner because he was doing this grand romantic gesture to try and change her mind instead of something where like, let's talk about this privately. Let's try and talk and get all of our feelings out. And I'll say how I feel and you say how you feel instead of just jumping the gun to something where it's like, I'm going to put myself forward with this gesture. And then you have to reciprocate it because it's public.
0: Right. I think I'm almost... I think both of us almost are using this as an example to voice our frustration about this being done in general. Like on a spectrum, this wasn't the worst thing at all.
1: No, not at all. This is like one of those things that I randomly feel like strongly about in general.
0: We both do. We talk about that all the time.
1: Yeah. I I
0: completely agree. So anyway, she now is upset because he's mad. And so she gets up from the table. She walks away. She's trying to call him. She's trying to reach him. He keeps sending her to voicemail. And in her confessional, she's saying that she was just confused and she didn't really know why he was doing any of this for her. She calls Kim and she's telling him, he will not answer me now. And Kim says, you just don't know how to deal with anything emotional. And Chloe says, I'm not an emotional person. That's why Malika says he needs to know that you care. And Kim's like, you need to literally call him 500 times in a row. And in her confessional, Chloe's saying that, you know what? She should have taken him more seriously, but she didn't really know what was going on. And also on that same phone call with Kim, I noticed you didn't write this down, but Kim said something like, I'm in a G string and high heels cooking. Sometimes you just really need to show them how you feel, or sometimes you just need to kind of like put it all out there. So that was a whole interesting conversation. And I, it's funny that we even had that very heated exchange a few minutes earlier about our passion for the subject before even getting to this scene, because this particular scene exemplifies that so clearly in the fact that Everybody is now making Chloe feel bad for the fact that she was just a little bit unsure and wasn't already reciprocating those feelings. That's what's going on here. Take away all the bullshit. Everybody is saying that Chloe is basically being this like bad, unemotional person because she's not reciprocating that same amount of attention or desire.
1: Exactly, for something that was literally sprung on her out of the blue a a day or so ago. Right, why is everybody
0: acting as if the only thing... I'm trying to look at this from their side, and I'm sure viewing this now, they would have a different approach. I guess the only thing that maybe they could stick to that would maintain accuracy is that they're such good friends, so maybe she could have handled it a little bit more sensitively, but I still don't think that that's the case. I still think that she was completely in the right. She did nothing wrong. Right. I
1: I think so too. I really... I think their perspective on it has to do a lot with the friendship and has a lot to do with the way we viewed these situations at the time, which was different than we view them now. I just think that also Courtney and Malika knew about this all day, knew that this was coming. If you know the way Chloe is and you know how she's going to react, which I think anybody could have predicted her reacting in that moment, give her the heads up.
0: Totally agree. At that time, it's girl code because she would not have routed them out to him.
1: Because let me tell you something. If somebody wants to surprise me, warn me.
0: Yeah, of course. Especially in a situation like this, it's very different if it's the type of thing where it's like your boyfriend that you're madly in love with and he wants to do this gesture to you that everybody knows you will appreciate because you love him. But when the fucking gesture is dependent on whether or not you have feelings for him and in that moment you have to make the decision on the spot, nobody would respond to that well.
1: Exactly. And I also think that all of them care about Chloe so much to the point where I think they viewed this as like nothing but a positive thing where they were like, oh my God, Chloe has all of these issues with men. She's not really dating right now. We really want to get her out there. Here's this perfect opportunity for her. And I think that clouded their judgment a little.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I also will just say, I'm realizing this as we're doing this, there's something almost a little bit empowering about talking about some of these circumstances because it almost makes you realize the evolution that I think we've gone through in terms of, and if you think this sounds way too dramatic, we can take it out, but like, how much you don't even realize uh, the patriarchal like mindset that you operate under when you're watching certain things until now in our 20s, watching it back and having a much more of a keen eye and realize that some things are a lot more nuanced and it's not so cut and dry. And uh, just some of the expectations that I think we set I, I'm actually happy we're doing this. I don't know if that sounded ridiculous, did
1: it? No, I don't think it does at all. And I think that it's a conversation that we've been having a lot, especially post Britney documentary where we're having it even more because we're looking at the way things that we responded to as completely normal at the time. And I don't specifically mean we, we were very young at the time, but you know, a generalized we responded to at the time because it was so normalized for us where in retrospect, you are like, holy shit, I cannot believe that happened. That's so disgusting. That's so misogynistic. That's so wrong on so many levels. But that's not the way our minds worked necessarily at the time. And I do think that thought process-wise, we have come a long way. In a lot of things, we've come a long way, Just in, but specifically in the way we view situations is so different.
0: Yeah. Because this same instance can take itself to a lot of circumstances. And I'm just going to say it. I think this exact conversation that we just had about the most fragile thing in the world being male embarrassment and not wanting to embarrass men is the same reason that women uh, oftentimes have take so much for them to voice what they actually want in bed. You know, this is like the hill that I always yeah. lie on about faking orgasms because I think it's so much deeper than just the general thing. Like it's not about sex. It's about the fact that you should have that ownership of your body. And this is like a much watered down version of that. I think it's the same. If there was a spectrum, it would be on the same spectrum
1: yeah, I think it all applies to each other. I think all of it. I think that, yeah, there's so, so much there. I mean, we could talk about that subject for hours. I know. That's like one of my favorite things to talk about. Maybe separate episode.
0: <laughs> People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So they're back at the hotel. Courtney is drinking with Malika and Rob, and Chloe's really upset. She feels like an idiot. Rob's like, no, you're the best girl there is. And she's like, no, I'm just not a sweet person. I'm not a sweet girl. I'm just not. I should have been born a man. And in her confessional, she's saying that she does have feelings for him, but she's been too hurt too many times when it comes to relationships. So now she's kind of afraid to take risks. And she's on the phone with him. And she says, I don't know if I've had someone send me flowers that I've dated, but a real person send me a cake. Like I've never had that happen. I've never had someone do that for me. And in her confessional, she's like, you know what? He probably hates me now. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. So here we have a major 180, because it's like, okay, well, do you actually like him and you just didn't know how to feel? Or are you being pressured to feel like you like him because you just got fucking rocked for the way that you reacted? It's like, I don't trust what she's saying in this moment to be her truest feelings necessarily.
1: No, I don't either, because had this been something where, you know, she was speaking about him before, let's say before they went to lunch, and- she was like, we've been friends for years. I kind of have a crush on him. I've had feelings from him at times. Like, fine. That would then apply to this situation where you're like, oh, you know, this is a way that she's felt all along and she just wasn't able to reciprocate. Like, If she never had like an ounce of feeling towards this situation before, but all of a sudden just because he feels that way or because there was some sort of grand gesture that she feels she has to respond to, that that now equates to feelings – it doesn't. It's just equating to her feeling like she should have had a better response that she's confusing for feelings. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying, especially when she
0: says, you know what? I'm just not a sweet girl. I wanted to be like, oh, honey, wait till you get to 2020 and you realize that we are now fighting back against that. And being sweet is not the end all be all. And you're allowed to voice your feelings and voicing your feelings does not make you not sweet. It just makes you honest. Like, there was no acknowledgement about the different standards that men and women are held to. I'm not trying to make this a gender thing, but it fucking is. I mean, like, there's no way to watch this, especially with the lens that we have now, and not see the entire undertone here. It's just glaring.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is.
0: That's why we both knew, I feel like, even though we didn't actually discuss it in detail because we wanted to save it, I think that's why we both knew that we'd be able to do this episode as a solo.
1: Totally, because there's, it's so multi layered. It's the zoning in on Chloe and her relationships and her relationship patterns. And also the whole idea of this as a generalized thing. What's also interesting about Chloe in this um, situation is her equating, you know, this grand gesture for feelings. When you look in retrospect at the way tristan kind of won her back or tristan acted after they had broken up and after he had screwed up <laughs> not once but twice where he was showering her with gifts and kind of doing all of these grand things for her to get her to get back in her good graces and it's interesting to compare the two things cuz i feel like her feelings on reacting to those things haven't really changed right
0: well we saw her say to him like i don't want these giant gestures i want to know that you've changed. However, I do think on a certain level, those were appreciated by her.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it was the reason she got back together with him, but I think that it was something tangible where she was able to understand like he is giving me this, whether you believe this is what actually happened or not, where she was able to say like, he's giving me this because he cares and this is a tangible expression of that. Whereas I think it was her same thought process here where she's kind of beating herself up over not reciprocating what Omarion was gifting her with or or delivering her.
0: Or in the scene from a few seasons ago where she's with Malika and Khadija in the hotel room at the casino and Tristan had given her that, Diamond necklace, and she was not really down for it. And Malika and Khadija were kind of pressuring her almost to accept it and to be more grateful. Same vibe. Yes. Anyway, so next scene, she's going to his apartment, and in her confessional, she's saying that, you know, she wants to see him to kind of fix all of this. He's going back to LA and she wants to fix it before he leaves. And she's asking him if he's still mad at her and that she's sorry for not taking him seriously. She says, I thought about it and I realized how serious you were. And I think I was caught off guard and that's my defense mechanism. I just laugh things off and I act like everything's a joke. That's just me. And he says, after I did the gesture that I did to kind of prove to you again that I was serious, you needed to take me serious. And he's kind of just telling her that she needs to be open and needs to be open to having her heart broken and that it should make her stronger. And she's saying, you know, when it comes to relationships, I'm so guarded that it kind of destroys me because I don't want to believe that anyone wants to be nice to me. It ruins me. I self-destruct. I really sat down and thought about how much you and I would make sense. I'm trying to put myself out there. I'm trying to show you I'm ready to start a relationship. He's kind of saying he doesn't know if she's ready. And in her confessional, she says, I really need to learn to put my walls down. I was so worried about protecting myself. I'm ruining a great opportunity for me. And he's saying because he doesn't feel like she's ready, he kind of wants to leave it. Which is like such bullshit. (laughs) This whole thing is such bullshit. I I can't even express to you the level of bullshit. First of all, A guy that is your friend and is trying to potentially help you break your walls down cannot then be that same guy that is trying to pursue you because in what world, and maybe this is just me, but I don't find that she would be able to accept that with complete honesty and like there's no ulterior motives, meaning when he's saying to her, you know, you have to just let people in and it's okay to have your heart broken. And by the way, while you're doing that, I'd like to kind of slide in here. It's like, you can't
1: conflate the two. Right. And also (laughs) I'd like to slide in here and then also break your heart when you're ready to reciprocate and I've already moved past it. Right.
0: And then it's kind of like she's being punished here when he's saying, you know what, because you didn't respond to that in the way that I wanted you to and I was embarrassed, I don't feel like you're ready. So I'm just going to leave it. It's like, okay, so this whole time is really just a power dynamic.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Right. I, I don't know why in this scene it's acting like I have this, I feel like we're both like you know, not Timo O'Marion has nothing to do with him. I'm sure he's a great guy. I just think it's representative of some of the manipulation tactics that men, some men can use.
1: Yeah, totally. I don't think it's specifically about him, although I don't appreciate the way he went about this. For example, like if you're going to really put yourself out there and you really feel strongly about dating your friend who has been super, super open with you about her own relationship struggles, then if you're serious about it, then the position you take is like, you know what? I feel strongly about this. Let's work on you know, what you're going through. Let's work on it together. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait until you're ready to be in this. I'm going to prove to you how much you can trust me instead of being like, you know what? You should let your walls down. I'm going to do this grand romantic gesture. And then when you don't reciprocate because of the issues you've already told me about, I'm going to be embarrassed and then just let it go and not do it. It's like that meme that's like... like how are we in this situation when you liked me first? you know what I mean? Yes. I know
0: exactly what you mean. Yes. The other thing about this though, is that she says the most vulnerable thing that she said this entire episode, maybe this entire season, when she says, it destroys me because I don't want to believe that anyone wants to be nice to me. It ruins me. I self-destruct. She's really sitting down, pouring her heart out. And he's like, yeah, honestly, I can't trust that you're ready. So I'm bowing out. It's like, Why can't you take that moment to acknowledge what she said and maybe respond and be like, no, Chloe, you deserve someone who's going to be nice to you, who's going to show you that being nice to you should be the bare minimum. There were so many more therapeutic, kind, validating things that could have been said in that moment instead of making her feel like she is this fucking bitch because she wasn't ready to receive it in the way that he was giving it. It was completely misaligned and I was not here for it. Totally. Last scene, she's out with Malika and Courtney. And she's kind of explaining to them what happened, saying she went there to apologize and that she kind of thought about it and she wants to be with him. She's telling them how it didn't go well. And Courtney's saying to Chloe that honestly, she's impressed that Chloe even said that. And in her confessional, Courtney says, the fact that Chloe is finally acknowledging that she has a problem opening up to guys is at least a step in the right direction. Hopefully when the next young man comes around, she won't be such a biatch. Again, case in point, we were just talking about, (laughs) like... It's so deep-rooted. You know what I mean? The misogyny is so deep-rooted.
1: So deep-rooted. Like, yeah, it is. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It is like,
0: why is... I just, I can't.
1: I also can't get over, like, I can't stop thinking about the fact that, like, here we are spending this whole episode being like, Chloe's in the wrong for the way that, like, she views men. Like, she is the one that, like, can't let her walls down and she's wrong because of that. And then you look at her next two serious relationships, which is Lamar and Tristan, who just completely like broke her heart and destroyed her trust in every way. And you're like, well, she might be onto something. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why is everybody
0: so quick to come down on her for her walls being up and then not take a moment to acknowledge or understand why they are up? Right. I don't know. The whole thing was fucked up. This I cannot believe how deep this got, but I think it was necessary.
1: I also think one other thing that's really interesting when you look at this and the way that they as a family kind of view men, and I know we kind of bring this up a lot, but it is interesting when you think about the fact that Chris was the one that she done robber, and I think that kind of informed their view of men and women hurting men versus men hurting women.
0: There is no level to which I don't think that impacts subconsciously. I definitely, definitely think there's that. Me too. Probably more. With the Kardashians and with the Jenners, because yes, you know Kylie and Kendall weren't—it was totally different. They weren't witnessing that, right? Yeah, wild ride.
1: That was that was fun. I'm glad we did that. Great episode. Great episode to discuss. See ya, same time uh, next week. <laughs> what a miss it for the world, kid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I love you, and we love you guys. And Isabel and I will see you on Friday for our Bravo episode, which I basically can't wait for. And Julie and I will see you next Monday. We love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.